The following recording is a presentation of the Berean Baptist Church of Rohnert Park, California, and of Pastor Val Mark Smith. We are an independent Baptist congregation committed to the accurate presentation of the historical doctrines of the faith. We welcome your visit to our services anytime here in the Rohnert Park area. Take your Bibles, turn with me to Luke chapter 1. Luke chapter 1. I'm going to read beginning at verse 26. Uh, Luke chapter 1, beginning at verse 26. And in the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent from God unto a city of Galilee named Nazareth, to a virgin espoused to a man whose name was Joseph of the house of David, and the virgin's name was Mary. And the angel came in unto her and said, Hail, uh, thou that art highly favored, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women. And when she saw him, she was troubled at his saying, and cast in her mind what manner of salutation this should be. And the angel said unto her, Fear not, Mary, for thou hast found favor with God. And behold, thou shalt conceive in thy womb and bring forth a son, and thou shalt call his name Jesus. He shall be great, and shall be called the Son of the Highest. And the Lord God shall give, him, give unto him the throne of his father David. And he shall reign over the house of Jacob forever. And of his kingdom there shall be no end. Let's pray. Father, as we gather together here this morning to, to look into your word, we pray that you would instruct and teach us. But more than that, today, Lord, I pray that you would strengthen us. Give us, strengthen our faith. Help us to truly trust in you. And to truly depend on you for everything. Bless this time we have together now, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Um, we spent the last 11 months studying God the Father. I began a series of lessons on the Trinity uh, over a year ago. Never had, I didn't have any idea it was going to run this long. Um, I, you see, I only teach every other week. But over the last year, we've had a lot of interruptions to that schedule. And so uh, I, haven't, I haven't necessarily taught every other week. Sometimes it's three or four weeks between uh, my lessons. So it's, it's gone a long ways. We, we've been spending a long time uh, so far on this, on this study. But uh, we, we've looked at God the Father. We, we've proven and supported God's existence. Um, and we've studied his attributes and discovered his magnificence. But now I would like to turn our attention to the second person of the Trinity, uh, and that being Jesus Christ, the Son of God. Now, as fate would have it, I guess, uh, <laughs> I'm going to teach this lesson today, then you won't hear another one for at least four weeks, maybe five. But that's pretty typical for the way this series are running, so we'll review when we come back again next time. Uh, the name Christ... It's not actually Jesus' name. His name is not Jesus Christ. He's Jesus of Nazareth. Uh, the, 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 name, the name Christ is actually a title. Uh, we call Pastor, Pastor Smith. At least we should. Let me, let me take a little side note here. Don't ever call him Mark. That's, that's just a real, that's a real uh, disgrace. That's not paying respect to the man of God. We should call him pastor. Um, but anyway, pastor is not his first name. 
As a matter of fact, Mark is not his first name either. But uh, we call him pastor because it's a title. It's an appellation, a name given to the Savior of the world, Christ. It, was, it, it, it is synonymous with the Hebrew word for Messiah. Peter applied this title to Jesus in Matthew chapter 16 and verse 16, where he stated, And Simon Peter answered and said, Thou art the Christ, the Son of the living God. Angels from heaven declared Jesus as the Christ. In Luke chapter 2 and verse 11, we read, For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, which is Christ the Lord. Martha declared her faith in Jesus as the Christ. In John eleven twenty seven, we read, She saith unto him, Yea, Lord, I believe that thou art the Christ, the Son of God, which should come into the world. The apostles declared that Jesus is the Christ. Acts chapter 2 and verse 36, we read, Therefore let all the house of Israel know assuredly that God hath made that same Jesus, whom ye have crucified, both Lord and Christ. 112 verses in the New Testament alone declare Jesus as the Christ. Therefore, we can with confidence know that this man, Jesus, is the Christ, the Son of the living God. Now, this morning, I would like to look at a few unique facts surrounding this man, Jesus. Um, Number one, first of all, if you're going to take notes, I want you to see his perpetuity. Jesus, his perpetuity. Now, this word perpetuity is derived from the root word for perpetual. The word perpetual is synonymous with words such as eternal, unending, continuous, or everlasting. But Christ is unique even to these words, for he had no beginning. That's the unique thing about the Christ. The Christ has always existed. He never had a beginning. And as we discussed when we, when we studied God the Father, and we talked about God's eternality, that is a fact that boggles the human mind. We cannot, we truly cannot comprehend no beginning. And if you're sitting here and you say, oh, I can comprehend no beginning, you're a liar and the truth is not in you. Because the human mind can't comprehend no beginning. We can accept it. We can believe it. But we can't relate to it. We can't comprehend it. Because everything has a beginning, right? Everything. These pews had a beginning. The carpet had a beginning. I hope the end is soon, but it had a beginning. <laughs> everything we, we see. Bob had a beginning. He was born right after, Mo, right after Noah landed the ark. He, everything has a beginning. 
But not, not the Christ, not Jesus, not the Son of God. In John chapter 1, verses 1 through 3, we read, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. The same was in the beginning with God. All things were made by him, and without him was not anything made that was made. See that in the beginning was the Word. So when we go back to the beginning of all things, Christ was already there. And we can't go any further back than the beginning of all things. So he had no beginning. He's perpetual. Genesis chapter 1 verse 26. And God said, let us make man in our image after our likeness. And let them have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the fowl of the air and over the cattle and over all the earth and over every creeping thing that creepeth upon the earth. At the, at the inception of man, God the Father and Christ the Son already existed. They were already present together. Now, these words are not directed to the earth out of which man was made as, as if God needed to consult with it. Nor to the angels. God's not speaking to the angels here when he says, let us make man in our image. Nor are the words spoken after the manner of kings. I mean, a, a king will stand up and say, let us, or let us all. And the president will stand up and as, address the nation and say, we, as, as, as we are, uh, all, are all one people. But that's not the manner of, of, of God's speech here. They are spoken by God the Father to God the Son and God the Holy Ghost. And at the time of creation, Christ had already been present from eternity past. He is the Alpha and Omega, the beginning and the end. Revelations 1.8, I am Alpha and Omega, the beginning and the ending, saith the Lord, which is and which was and which is to come, the Almighty. These are the words of Christ himself, Appearing at once and confirming what John had said of him concerning his, his person's office and future coming. Alpha is the first letter and omega the last in the Greek alphabet and signifies that Christ is the first and the last. Jesus himself in prayer unto the Father declares his own eternality. In John chapter 17 and verse 5 where he states, And now, O Father, glorify thou me with thine own self, with the glory which I had with thee before the world was. You and I today can proclaim that we will live eternally from this day forward. But none of us can claim to have lived eternally in the past. But Jesus can. Mohammed can't. He can't make this claim. Buddha can't. Dagon, the false god of Baal, can't. Only Jesus can make this claim. So first, this morning, we see the perpetuity of Christ. And this is more important than, than, than we may think. 
the fact that Jesus existed eternally in the past and will exist eternally in the future is the very foundation of our faith. It's the very foundation of our hope. Without it, we have no hope. We have no faith. So first, I want you to see this morning that Jesus is unique in in his perpetuity. Secondly, this morning, I want you to see that Jesus, the Christ, I want you to see the promise of his coming. The promise of his coming. Down through history, there have been many promised arrivals. Uh, One of the most memorable is General Douglas MacArthur. How many of you remember MacArthur, General MacArthur, huh? When he, when the Japanese forces uh, forced him out of the Philippines, uh, what did Jar- what did Douglas MacArthur say? Anybody? I shall return. I work with a lady, a young, uh, not a young. I work with a lady. She's she's elderly. She's probably about seventy three or seventy four. Oh, all of you over seventy. I'm sorry. I just called you elderly. <laughs> But anyway, and she's she's a a native Filipino. And her father was in the March to Bataan. He was one of the faithful men that waited for the return of General MacArthur. And that was a great, great promise. It's one that it's one that brought hope to the to those people. She tells me how her daddy used to tell her that every night before they went to to bed, they reminded each other about MacArthur's promise to come back and and that they believed he would. And they held on to that as hope for the next day to, to, to stay alive and to wait for the return of General MacArthur. What a beautiful picture for us of the our wait, our awaiting for the return of Christ. We have so much hope because Jesus is coming again and he shall come and he's coming to get us, to gather us together. What a great joy that gives us. So there's been a lot of, of, of memorable promises over the years, but no other birth in recorded history was as awaited as that of the savior of the world, the Christ. Jesus' birth was the most spoken of and awaited birth ever. Matter of fact, his birth was so miraculous, we still talk about it today. You know, no one talks about my birth. And my my dear mother has, has passed on. And my father is very old. I doubt even he talks about my birth anymore. And of course, my mother can no longer. So nobody talks about my birth. Does anybody ever talk about your birth? Oh, maybe on your birthday, right? On your birthday, everybody remembers your birth. But Jesus, Jesus's birth was spoken about in the beginning. All through the ages, all the way to today, we still talk about it. And it will be talked about. Until he comes again and takes us from this world. Jesus' coming was promised. 
by God the Father in the Garden of Eden. In the very beginning, right after Adam and Eve sinned, in Genesis 3.15, the Lord said, And I will put enmity between thee and the woman, speaking to Satan, and between thy seed and her seed. It shall bruise thy head, and thou shalt bruise his heel. Jesus' birth was foretold in the Garden of Eden by God the Father. His coming was pictured by the promised son of Abraham. In Genesis chapter 17, we read, And God said unto Abraham, As for Sarai thy wife, thou shalt not call her name Sarai, but Sarah shall shall her name be. And I will bless her, and give thee a son also of her. Yea, I will bless her, and she shall be a mother of nations. Kings of people shall be of her. Then Abraham fell upon his face and laughed and said in his heart, Shall a a child be born unto him that is a hundred years old? And shall Sarah that is ninety-nine years old bear? Wow. Jesus' birth was pictured by, by the birth of Isaac. It was a reminder of, of God the Father to, to, to the nations that the, that the Savior would come and that he would be born under miraculous conditions. How many of you ladies here are 99 years old? Any of you? I think we have, at Villa Marin, we have three residents over a hundred, four, no, four residents over a hundred years old. Four, four residents, and, and uh, they're all women. So men, we don't have a prayer. We're going to get ready for that. The women, will, women are going to kill us off. That's what's going to happen. I, I, I wonder what it would be like if tomorrow morning when I get to work, I walk in and tell one of those hundred-year-old ladies, you're going to have a baby. They'd probably uh, take their cane and start beating me over the head with it. But better than that, Abraham was a hundred. How many of you guys at a hundred years old want to start raising a baby? Whew, man, I tell you what. I raised three kids and that was enough for me. I don't want to raise any more. But God promised a great nation would rise from Abraham. And Isaac was born to Abraham. And a great nation of people has has arisen from that one birth. Jesus is the promise of his coming was pictured in, in, in first by God the Father in the Garden of Eden. Second, his coming was pictured by the promised son of Abraham. And then thirdly, his coming was preached by the prophets of God. In Isaiah chapter 7, in verse 14, we read, Therefore the Lord himself shall give you a sign. Behold, a virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and shall call his name Emmanuel. Down through the history, the the virgin birth of Christ was preached by the prophets. It was declared by, by the men of God all the way from 
from Adam all the way through to, to Micah. All the prophets preached of the coming Messiah, the birth of Christ. His arrival next was proclaimed by John the Baptist. John chapter 1 and verse 29, we read, The next day John seeth Jesus coming unto him and saith, Behold the Lamb of God, which taketh away the sin of the world. So when we talk about Christ, when we talk about Jesus, uh, the Christ of God, we need to understand that he, he, he came to the earth under very miraculous conditions. So we see this morning, I want us to see Jesus' perpetuity. I want us to see, uh, secondly, the promise of his coming. But then thirdly this morning, I want us to see the purpose of his coming. The purpose of his coming. In Hebrews chapter, why don't we all turn there? Let's go together to Hebrews chapter 9. Hebrews chapter 9. While you're turning now, let me just say, every one of you here have a purpose in God. Each of us were saved according to God's purpose. Maybe you don't know what that purpose is yet. Maybe, maybe God hasn't yet revealed to you his purpose for you. But we need to understand that each of us were, were, were saved and were given a purpose by the Father in his ministry, in his work. But let's look at the purpose of Jesus' coming. Hebrews chapter 9, we'll begin at verse 11. We read, but Christ being come and high priest of good things to come by a greater and more perfect tabernacle, not made with hands, that is to say, not of this building, neither by the blood of goats and calves, but by his own blood, he entered in once into the holy place, having obtained eternal redemption for us. For if the blood of bulls and of goats and the ashes of an heifer sprinkling the unclean Sanctify it to the purifying of the flesh. How much more shall the blood of Christ, who through the eternal spirit offered himself without spot to God, purge your conscience from dead works to serve the living God. And for this cause, he is the mediator of the New Testament, that by means of death, for the redemption of the transgressions that were under the, the first testament, they which are called might receive the promise of eternal Inheritance for this cause. One could imagine many purposes for the coming of the Messiah, the Christ. But when I study this, the scriptures, I find three purposes as declared by Christ Himself for His coming. What are they? First, to die in our place. John chapter 12 and verse 27. Now is my soul troubled. 
And what shall I say? Father, save me from this hour. But for this cause came I unto this hour. This verse is taken as Jesus is in the Garden of Gethsemane. And he's praying to the Father. And what he's saying is, shall I call upon the Father to to deliver me from this? But then he follows up by saying, but for this cause came I unto this world. Jesus came to this world to die for the elect. Now, I made a statement once and it was kind of confusing to one one lady who was in, in, in attendance. You see, men who, who, who value themselves higher than they ought to, they tend to, to think Jesus died for me. You ever hear that? Jesus died for me. How many of you have ever heard someone make that statement? Jesus died for me. But can I tell you this morning, Jesus died for the Father. Jesus died for the will of God. Now, the will of God just happens to be for my redemption. But even if, even if Jesus' death on the cross would not have secured my salvation, but it, it was the will of the Father, he still would have died on the cross. Because Jesus died for the will of God. He died to honor and glorify the Father. Therefore, you and I should live for that same will. You and I should live for that same glory. You know, we're too wrapped up in things today. I, had an, I heard an old Jewish missionary once, and he, told, he related a story of, in Russia, they had an underground church, and this church was assembled together. And as they were about ready to start preaching, the, the rear doors of the church burst open, and in walked Two Russian soldiers with their weapons. And they stood in the back and they said, any of you who want to deny this religion and deny this faith, you can leave right now. And he said the church emptied out of all but just a few. And then he said those soldiers set their rifles down, took their military jackets off, closed the door, and said, now let's have a preaching service. <laughs> Look around you today. I'm not, I'm not trying to, I know fear is a terrible thing. Fear is a terrible thing. It really is. Coronavirus is weeding it out, isn't it? Yeah. Our faith is being put to the test. And like I've told many people at work, you're going to die from something. Something's going to kill you. But I can tell you this, I'm never going to die. This this body's going to die. But I'll never die. I'll live forever in the glory of my Father. Ain't nothing to be afraid of. 
You, you stand a better chance of dying getting in your car and driving across town. I don't know why I got there, but I got there. <laughs> Jesus came first to die in our place. But remember, it was for the Father's will, not for my wretched soul. Second, Jesus came, he says, to seek and to save the lost. Luke chapter 19 and verse 10. For the Son of Man has come to seek and to save that which was lost. You know, if I had to play hide and seek with someone, I'd want to be on Jesus' team. Because he always finds what he's looking for. He's not, he's not searching in the dark like a blind man. He's not, he's not looking under rocks. He knows right where to find you. You remember the story in the scripture of the, oh, I mean, I'm running out of time. Remember the story in the scripture of the crippled man who was lying by the, by the pool and uh, he was waiting for the waters to be troubled, right? You know, I preached on that once. There must have been thousands of people around that pool. But let me ask you a question. Who did Jesus go to? How many people did he step over to get to that man? Because he knew that man. He was going to save that man. And Jesus found you and he found me. And, 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 and it wasn't hard for him to find us because he knew who we are and he knew where we were. He came to seek and to save the lost. I've got to hurry. I don't know. I got this new watch and I can't tell what time it is. There it is. Um, third, he came to bear witness and uphold truth. Again, I don't have time to develop this, but Jesus came to bear witness of the Father and to bear witness of the truth of the Word of God. What we hold in our hand today is the undisputed, unarguable Word of God. And everything we need is in here. And if it's not in here, we don't need it. Quit listening to the quote-unquote scientists, the quote-unquote professors. Quit listening to them. And open your Bible and read it. And there's the problem. It's, it's the highest-selling book in the world, but the least read. Everything we need is in here. Everything. And, and as I said, if it's not in here, we don't need it. Don't worry about it. Folks, I, I don't have time to finish this up today. I'll pick it up in about a month or so. And we'll review and get back to speed. All right, folks, that's all I have for you this morning. Thank you for being here, and you are dismissed. Thank you for listening to this presentation of the Berean Baptist Church of Ronert Park, California. If you would like further information about our church, please feel free to call us at area code 707-584-7275 or write to us at Berean Baptist Church, 6298 Country Club Drive, Ronert Park, California, 94928. Additionally, you may visit us on the World Wide Web at www.bebaptist.org.